Digital Dissection, a nerd podcast, can at times contain adult language and themes. It is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Digital Dissection Podcast, where we take a closer and possibly unnecessary look at our favorite properties, creators, and topics. We are your humble hosts, Joe and Mark, two pop culture nerds dedicated to telling entertainment history before it's forgotten too soon. Join us on Facebook, Twitter, and our blog for more information on the show. We also love to hear from you. Write us at digitaldissectionpodcast at gmail.com. Now that we've got that out of the way, let's get to dissecting. Joe, it feels like we've been in 2013 before, haven't we, this year? I mean, at least once. Maybe, maybe twice. Um, I know I was there um, in June for about two days. Yep, definitely two <laughs> days. <laughs> I was there, Gandalf, 3,000 yes. years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were turning back onto the retro review circuit as it's time to talk about some video games. And we were there in 2013 for a little yeah. bit to talk about mm-hmm. Tomb Raider, the, the reboot. Yeah, yeah, and the the glorious reboot that it was too, and I think we're still not sure how we scored the game so low when we liked it as much as we did. <laughs> hey, still recovering from that. That's the, like what technically the second worst game we reviewed. Yes, but it's an important lesson in yeah. mm-hmm. you know rating a game based on everything from the <laughs> you know the actual graphics all the way to the music. Mm-hmm. Yes, Tomb Raider yeah. definitely learned a tough lesson that yes. day. Music, the make or break category of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Steve was angry that day, my friends. So, (laughs) but since we've been to 2013 before this year for a retro review, what we're not going to do is talk about some of the other games that were being made at this point in time. But instead, we're going to shift a little bit to kind of still set the mood a little bit. Okay, we're going to turn the lights down low. Got the candles going here. And yeah, we're going to talk about revenues. Get the music going soft and slow. Was it where Vines around in 2013? Was don't that big? Any country songs. <laughs> I just don't know. <laughs> I just remember that from Vine, which I think what that came and died in 2015, so just a couple of years after this. I um, know. Yeah. Short, short, but quick. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just like an right. old dating profile that didn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> but all right. All now, right. So, like you were saying, let's yeah. look at some of the grosses that weren't too low in 2013. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's just talk about some games by revenue, real quick, in the year 2013. Now, for devotees of this program, you'll remember mm-hmm. we talked about the the top selling games of that year, but we didn't actually talk about what was like cross platform that year. Ooh. Okay. We just mm-hmm. we just talked about consoles. But guess what? There's some interesting names in here, Joe, and we'll. We'll just dive right in. So coming in at number five for that year from a revenue standpoint, mm-hmm. it was actually a three-way tie. Ooh. So it was tied between Grand Theft Auto V, mm-hmm. Call of Duty Ghosts, mm-hmm. and Crossfire, which I'm not oh. intimately familiar with. We're not talking say, about the 90s board game. I was going to say, bold, bold comeback for the board game. And we looks like we finally did get caught in the Crossfire <laughs> several years later. Crossfire. 23 to be exact. <laughs> <laughs> don't get caught in the crossfire yes i mean if you've ever played that game the commercial way better than the game 
Oh, <laughs> completely. <laughs> Way better yes. than the game. Fantastic advertising. Whoever came up with the marketing for that game, yeah, you deserve like everything for the rest of your life. Because they yeah. had to have sold so many copies of that game, only for us to all be very sad that we bought it, but we, they sold it, so it worked. They made their money. Everything's fine. I, I played the board game Crossfire once, and then... Mm -hmm. It was maybe 15 minutes, and then we were like, you know what? There's this game called Sunset Riders on the Super Nintendo that we all really want to try out. <laughs> and that's what we went to. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Three-way tie to, to start mm -hmm. off the list. Now, at number three, this one was actually, a, I wouldn't say shocking entirely, but mm -hmm. World of Warcraft wow. actually held the number three spot. Wow. I think that's more surprising that, that yeah. World of Warcraft got to three and wasn't higher than that. Yeah, yeah, dude. The, the three-way tie at number five was one billion dollars in revenue. Okay, now World of Warcraft pulled in one point zero four billion Ooh. in twenty thirteen. All right, so that's like what forty dollars? <laughs> one billion and forty dollars. That's like four hundred. Not no, no, no. It's it's one point zero four. So it's like one billion. In 400,000 400, or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Oh, 400,000. Okay. <laughs> but either way, that's, that's still pretty good. That's pretty solid mm -hmm. for an MMO. I mean, pulling in yeah, 1 billion. I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is where the the revenues get a little interesting. Okay. Yeah. so And also it, shocking. Yeah. The news will shock you when you find out what these, what these winners are, by the way. Yes. Stay tuned for the number two. It will shock you. Which we're uh, going to tell you now. Yeah, we're going to say, yep. Mm -hmm. So, but coming... we're going to say consoles hate this game. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, coming in at number two at $1.46 billion in the year 2013 was mm -hmm. Candy Crush Saga. Which, it's a free game. It was a free game. Dude. And it made more money than games that charged to buy them. Like, <laughs> freemium. Like, again, this is proof that freemium works. And it was. Like it was it was the one of the best ways for video games to move forward is to give you a game for free, but to play the rest of the game or play the game well, enjoyable, that's when the money had to start rolling in. It just makes me jealous we didn't have the idea first, Joe. I know. It's yeah. I mean South Park made a great episode about this, but yeah, I digress. <laughs> they made a great episode about everything. <laughs> yeah. And rounding it out, number one for the top games by revenue in the 20 year, 2013 year was Puzzles and Dragons with 1.55 billion. Another freemium game. Lost on, like, were we stupid back then? We were just swayed by a free game that turned out wasn't free? <laughs> hey, you know oh what? Oh, my God. It's, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's pretty much like, you know, you, you spend a dollar, and, mm -hmm. you're, and you're like, you know, hey, great, I beat that level. All right. But then you multiply that by like 200 times over the course of a week and a half, and you're like, holy yeah. shit, what am I doing with my life? I mean, I did have one friend who accidentally bought like $100 worth of Pokecoins Poke in Pokemon Go, and it's not you, Mark, because you didn't do that on accident. Um, but he definitely did that and realized it way too late, and he's like, well, I guess I'm invested in this game now. And I'm guessing that that's not what happened to Candy Crush Saga and Puzzles and Dragons for everyone. We didn't all accidentally put a hundred dollars into that game for it to make that kind of money so maybe i don't know I guess i'm just old and i like to pay for the whole game at once I mean, yeah. hey, these, these games aren't meant to be beat that's the whole point yeah that, that's why the money keeps getting spent so 
Either way, folks, there is your journey back in time. If you want to feel a little bit younger, mm-hmm. nine years ago. Nine years ago, the dawn of freemium. <laughs> so let's get to the whole reason why we're here today. We're here to talk yes. about The Last of Us, which mm-hmm. surprisingly we've gone without mentioning up to this stage. <laughs> so, so yes, oh, that's we're... what we're doing today. All right, great. <laughs> yes, that's what we're here to talk about today. Our retro review is going to dig into the Naughty Dog classic, which I'll, I have a little story to tell here, and, we'll, and I'll make mm-hmm. it quick. Now, when I walked into GameStop, uh, roughly about the first half of 2013, I asked the guy behind the counter, hey, are there any games that I should be on the lookout for pre-order because I really want to have something ready to go for this summer? Mm-hmm. So the guy behind the counter goes, well, there's a really good game with some financial backing and it should be out in May. It's got a pretty good studio working on it and there's there's going to be some gore. It should be pretty solid. And I go, okay, good sir. I'll yeah. sign up for that. What's it called? Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, it's called Aliens Colonial Marines. <laughs> I, I knew it wasn't going to be Last of Us, but I'm so happy it was that fucking game because I think at some point in time, we should do a joke of an episode review of that game, and all that comes out is we just say, it's shit. Done. And that's the episode. It's a mini-sode. It's <laughs> just, the shortest episode yep. we've ever done. Yep. Today we're doing <laughs> Aliens, Colony Marines. It's yeah. shit. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and come back next week. It's and like then, ten- boom. Ten seconds of commentary, <laughs> followed by like five minutes of Benny Hill music, and it's just dumb. <laughs> just wait, that way it tricks you into being an episode is just a bunch of... <laughs> yes, yes. So, so that's what this kid told me, okay? He's like, Aliens, Colonial Marines. It's going to be made by Gearbox, the same guys behind Borderlands. Oh, and I'm God, like, yeah. sign me up. Hold I'm, on, I'm, yeah. I'm mm-hmm. all about that. Let's do it. You know, get me all hyped up. And that was like two months later. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, no one really wants that game anymore. It sounds like no. it's going to be a shitbox. And I went, all right, here's what we're going to do. I want to move my money over to The Last of Us. And <laughs> let's just call it a done deal. So that's that's why I have it now. But mm-hmm. either way, Joe, it was technically the, the Last of Us. It was a house divided for Naughty yeah. Dog. Mm-hmm. So what, what do you was... think that was? Well, it was either we we stick to the bread and butter, we stick to the thing that's working because uh, it's selling very well, it's called Uncharted, and we just stick to that because there's no reason to fix it, or we innovate, and we try something new, and we go for a different engine, and we try and redo the whole way the game looks, plays, and feels. And some people are just got to be like, well, why? That sounds like so much work. This is wor- This is great over here. There's no need to change it. It's selling. Let's just put Nolan North in something else, and it'll be fine, right? Yeah. <laughs> no- yeah. Nolan North wakes up on a beach, just like covered half his body in sand, get- getting a call <laughs> on his cell phone. <laughs> yeah. What do you oh. want? <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got a new game for you. All right, I'll be in in ten minutes. All right, all right. <laughs> yeah, and and that's what I think is really interesting at this point in time for Naughty Dog. Like they're coming off of what's easily one of the best-received sequels of all time mm-hmm. in yeah. Uncharted 2. Yeah, and, I mean, best-received. I mean, it was a game that it's, again, like it's like Empire Strikes Back. It it overshadowed and outdid and outperformed, like, the original game, which is hard for a movie to do and can be very hard for a game to do. 
Especially yeah. when a lot of games, like we've we've made complaints and talks before about how a lot of games like feel like you're replaying the first game to a bit because you're you're getting kind of like tutorials to like play because they have to assume that you might be playing the franchise for the first time in the sequel. And this is a game where when you when you play it, it almost doesn't feel like that's happening. Um, other than like you can well actually in Uncharted you can turn that off. So basically yeah. they just teach you like how to like fire the weapon, how to um how to jump and how to traverse, but you can shut all those hints off when you're playing the game. So if you've played the original one, the controls haven't changed, it's all all fine. So with that option there and just the even more immersive story, like you would think, they're like, Well, this is a hit. Let's just kind of repurpose what we have or make games similar to this one and we we don't have to worry about our stock anytime soon. I mean, at this stage, it, I didn't actually know the story originally, but since they were at that point going, all right, we need to make a sequel to Uncharted, so three is obviously in the hopper. Mm -hmm. The Last of Us, they're going, we've got this really bitching idea, let's get it out there. So for the first time, Naughty Dog splits off into two teams, working on two games at the same time, and they're they're pretty different. You know, yeah. not, not just mm -hmm. in content, but but they're like you mentioned. This is a completely reworked, you know, system. the The mm -hmm. look is even a little sharper than Uncharted. I yeah. mean, it's 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 a much different experience. And so, what I wanted to do for a minute, Joe, mm -hmm. is dig into why that experience is different. And are you familiar with a gentleman by the name of Neil Druckmann? No. I can't say I am. <laughs> okay. Neil, did you say Neil Drugman? Neil Druckmann. That's a, Druckmann. That's a K. A K okay. in the middle Druckmann. Of that. Okay. All right. Like like Bookman, but with Druck. That is Druckman. correct. Bookman. Okay. That is correct. Yeah. Yes. So I'm guessing he's also not a library detective. Which no. <laughs> really, under underrated position in any library, if it no. even exists outside of Seinfeld. I would love to be a library detective. <laughs> no, <laughs> book he... detective. He he is actually the writer and the director for The Last of Us. So yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. Now those of you who listen to this program and listen to it for a while, you might know that Mark likes to look at the people who make the games, and Joe doesn't have time for that. No, no. <laughs> uh, Mark will actually read the credits, and I will skip through to see if there's anything else before I play the game on a harder difficulty. Yeah. Are there naked people in the credits? If not, I'm not interested. Not uh, God, yep, don't need this. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, Neil Druckmann is the driving force behind The Last of Us, okay? So he has this quote-unquote original concept where a police officer and a young girl have to explore what's essentially a zombie apocalypse together. And it's an idea that he's been sitting on for several years. Mm -hmm. Now, the catcher here was that the cop would suffer from a heart condition or a health condition which then causes the roles of the two characters to switch at times. Uh, okay. So so some for, of that yeah. made it to the final, you know, the cutting room floor, but... Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, but obviously that idea changed a little bit, and so we ended up getting the, you know, Joel and Ellie show that we know now, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But that's where it started. It actually started there, and part of mm -hmm. that cutting room floor that you just talked about involved two other very big games that were like Ooh. early 2000s like uh, tent poles in a way so mm -hmm. there's resident evil 4 that heavily yeah. influenced 
the yeah the creators of this game and then Ico or Ico, I call I always called it Ico, but it's 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 from the same creators that made the Last of the Colossus, very oh. emotional fixed camera game where you have to solve puzzles and there's kind of a unique uh, way to solve each one. Yeah, for a second there, I was about to correct you and say I believe it's pronounced Echo and it's a dolphin, and I'm really lost <laughs> in where you're going with all of this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Echo the dolphin, a very gritty zombie apocalypse thriller. <laughs> 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 a dolphin in legions swimming, of the undead through, swimming through the high seas with echolocation as your only friend and yeah. means of defense <laughs> and then the the whales you know the, the dead whales it's like a... <laughs> yeah jeez oh those God. waters would be terrifying wouldn't they <laughs> oh man yeah oh, but, so, so so that's that's the soup okay that's the primordial there soup of the last of us here okay so you're mixing basically unique survival tactics but mm. then also saving time for a very well-balanced story and puzzle solving like kind of a little bit of everything just, here yeah, mm -hmm. yeah tapping all three of those in yeah, absolutely. So, and, I mean, you bring in, like, other elements uh, to this game from other games we like. Like we'd mentioned uh, from Ezio's trilogy in the last review, uh, where he got crafting in his last game. We get that in the first game of The Last of Us right away. Very true. Uh, which will become a very, very important game mechanic. And if you have the, the, um, the fortitude to try this on survival mode, where there is, like, fucking nothing for you to find and actually craft with, you, good job. <laughs> if you can do that, holy crap! Because this is this is something where usually I will get determined to beat like a game in every mode, and I think I I'm trying to remember if I actually got through because I know I didn't platinum this game. Uh, oh, it was the tough. The, on, the online was a bitch. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like I I didn't even do the online thing um, at first. Yeah. I'm like I'm just gonna play through the story. I think I rented it the first time through just just to play it. I don't. I've, I've never owned this game. But I rented it to play because I heard it was beautiful, heard it was great, and and it was. So I just tried playing through as much as I could through my rental period, and then I'm like, all right, I got through normal pretty quickly. Let's put it on survival, and then go through maybe try the online after that. Didn't make it trying online. <laughs> I got defeated by survival. I'm like, this has been a good run. I will be done with this game before I hate it because it is a really good game. Just like the Chicago Bears, Joe gave up very early in on that game. So, <laughs> so sorry for the for the folks in Illinois that do listen. We got a couple of you. We know you're out there crying. But hey, you know what? One of the last things about The Last of Us that a lot of people have come to admire but also noticed right away was that true to Naughty Dog form, we have a very solid motion capture performance yes. that drives mm -hmm. this game. Yeah. And there's a lot about the behind the scenes on this out there joe have you ever watched any of the actual like uh uh green screen or, or actually not green screen technically it's like a white room right mm -hmm. have you seen any of those behind the scenes on that no no i have not oh it is it is quite solid i, I i've watched hours of it there's so much of it out mm -hmm. there and you get to see truly like emotional experiences from these actors that are involved you know because i feel like nowadays we're used to motion capture in video games, but you have mm -hmm. to remember back in the early 2000s, and actually Carlos Ferro, uh, our guest a few months ago, mentioned this too, mm -hmm. that back when like Gears of War 2 was doing this, not a lot of companies were. 
Mm-mm. I mean, we, we just talked about how Naughty Dog was making Uncharted. Yeah, yeah. they were kind of in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing goes with, with Ubisoft and Assassin's Creed. They were yeah, in motion capture. He, we, we, we got to talk with Noah Watts earlier, and he had mentioned some of the <laughs> right. lesser glorious or lesser glamorous things of doing early motion capture and having trying to act on a set that doesn't seem to care that you're acting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're talking about their day and like... I could I could imagine just how frustrated he was. So him <laughs> describing that scenario, uh, I am I am very happy for the motion capture actors nowadays. That Noah for them that Noah Watts yelled at the production company in team to be like they need to shut the fuck up or we can't do this well. Yeah. So thank you Noah Watts for making motion capture the success it is today. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you for staring at people like Samuel L. Jackson until they did the right thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's something I really appreciated mm-hmm. about this game because if you remember, Joe, I didn't actually play this game nearly as much as you no. did at first. Mm-mm. And then I went back and played it again because I think at that point in time, I was much more into that Assassin's Creed state of mind where mm-hmm. I wanted to climb everything Yep. I didn't want to be tested and challenged a whole lot. Sure, some difficulty mm-hmm. at times. Yeah. This is a much more difficult game to play. It, it is. It just, and I know you also don't enjoy like sandbox style games where oh. you do have a you are limited to where you are in the game and you cannot go backwards in the story. Uh, you cannot go elsewhere in the map in case you missed something from earlier. It's no. very much it looks like it's a very big open experience. But you are limited in where you can go and what you can do. And that no. was that was something else that happened in this game. We were like, nah, it's like Uncharted Man, it's a sandbox. I, I need I need my freedom. I need my space. You throw me in a sandbox game, two things happen. One, I say I hate sand, it gets everywhere. And then two <laughs> it's the worst history in the history of deals possibly ever. I just can't do it. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? This game, as we talked about, very strong performances. And what I want to really start doing mm-hmm. is not say voice actor anymore. We've said nice voice actor. actor so... yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> Seriously, going back to the motion captured goodness of this game, mm-hmm. the, the acting is amazing. And you're not just seeing someone who is digitally recreated. You are seeing Troy Baker, Ashley Johnson, mm-hmm. Robin Atkins Downs. Like These are people who are actually giving physical yeah. performances during these games. Mm-hmm. And and so, kind of. I know I just rattled a few of them off, but <laughs> but good lord, man! Uh, right away, one of the first featurettes I ever saw was of the very early game. Right, so the Last of Us, if we want to at least table set a little bit here, mm-hmm. takes place in a worldwide catastrophe, Joe. But what exactly is happening yeah. in the very beginning? So in the very beginning, you are playing from Joel's perspective right off the bat, and you play through Joel as Joel through most of this game. But you are basically at the the out out like the outbreak point where you've got news flashes of this um fungus from uh, I believe it I think they, they say it's I can't remember if they say South America or Asia in the game. South that America, it's South yeah. America, yep. South America has uh has infected food and it's causing weird bodily reactions uh, in, in, in humans. And you have a young girl, you have a daughter with you at the start of this game. And quickly, shit hits the fan, and you and your daughter are trying to escape and get out of your hometown. 
where you start running into infected members. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. once again, we've, we've said this concept multiple times throughout this season in particular. Some of the best zombie slash apocalypse movies, mm-hmm. the best ones put you right in the beginning of the early stages. Mm-hmm. Like you get to go, I'm very familiar with what the life is in the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then you're like, I'm reacting the same way they would because they're experiencing the same thing. Yeah. You know? What was it? Was it, was it, was it, was it um, Dawn of the Dead where it starts like in a, in a small family home and it's like the tiny daughter that's infected? Oh, it's the, yeah, it's the neighbor girl. Yeah, yeah. It's the neighbor girl. That's what it is. Oh, that's fucking terrifying. Oh, <laughs> yep. Great, great movie, by the way. And great track by Richard Cheese with Down with the Sickness. Yes. Um, if you're unfamiliar with his his lounge covers of songs. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we get um, a great cast at the start of this outbreak. Um, so like you said, Troy Baker, you will probably recognize him. He's played Batman before. Uncharted fans, he was Samuel Drake, your brother that you didn't know existed until the fourth and final game in the franchise. Um, yeah. Really, really great. Um, Ashley Johnson, who... Um, well, I'll always remember her in uh, The Avengers. She's a waitress <laughs> at the end of the first movie yes. um, who is who also goes on TV after Captain America saves her. Um, yeah. And because we can't have one too many Uncharted references in this review of a different game, uh, Nolan North does make an appearance in this game as David. And yeah, he does. Of, I have to say... As much as I really enjoy Nolan North, this is probably one of his best performances because I didn't realize it was him the yeah. first time I played. Because usually, like, with, 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 with actors um, who specialize in using their voice, since we're going to not call them voice actors anymore, and they, and they, they typically do voiceovers, um, a lot of times, like, you can tell. Like, um, Steve Bloom, you can tell it's him. Uh, Kale Bear, you get to know him pretty well. You can tell it's him. And same with Nolan North. You can definitely tell that it's him, except this one. And I think it's because Nolan North plays someone very different from the characters he usually plays because he's almost always a protagonist. And now you get him as a villain. And not just, like, you know, a villain who's bad. Like, he is outright creepy in this game. So it is just a completely different character for him to play. And this is just one of those times where you get to see an actor really use their range to the point where it's hard to tell that it's even them because it's so, so different from what you're used to seeing. Which, which I think is why uh, this, this game has such an impact. It's, it's not just because it's well-written and we'll get into some of the story elements here, Mm -hmm. but it, it is an incredible cast. You know, Nolan North, once again, he plays a part that, he was almost like a smoke screen. People didn't have any yeah. idea who it was. Mm-hmm. But as you mentioned, dude, your 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 man Bloom, he was actually uh, in this game too. He played. He did a lot of additional voices for the game. We also have uh, Laura Bailey, who played yeah. you know, Lois Lane in Injustice. She mm-hmm. was Abby in The Last of Us Part Two. So I mean, a lot of industry veterans showed up to really build this thing out. Mm-hmm. So I am very thankful for that. Of course. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think (laughs) now that we have really gotten into the people behind the game, it's time to get into the game itself. So when we look at what's happening, like we said, this all starts after 
a South American fungus gets all uppity and goes into our food and starts turning us into zombies. And these are not like your traditional zombies where you see like the flesh is kind of like peeling away. It's definitely, the, it looks like a reanimated corpse walking around. But instead, for those of you who listened to last week's pop culture legend, this is based off of an existing fungus and how it actually behaves. Well, mostly actually behaves because it, it can't jump into humans. The concept. So, yeah, the concept, the concept is there. So it's called cordyceps. And what it does um, basically infects the host. They start actually going crazy, kind of loopy, being very, very unlike themselves. Uh, they also try climbing to a higher ground because eventually what happens is the host dies and the fungus starts sprouting out of the deceased host and then starts shooting spores out everywhere so that it can infect more things and, of course, keep on going. Ah, so skeet, skeet. we, Yeah, we get the same thing here. Uh, it's, a, it's a very bad skeeting uh, <laughs> with, with, with this. So, like, it happens to humans, too, where it looks like they have fungus growing off of them. And sometimes, like, their heads are splitting wide open, and you're seeing the fungus, like, growing up, and you see they've got, like, these, these bulbs and parts growing off of them that's going to start shooting spores out. So yeah. they're... It's just another like great thing like we talked about this month how Kingdom by changing like the time period of the zombie apocalypse it gets rid of a lot of the tropes that we're used to in them. This gets rid of the tropes by changing how the zombies work, where literally you can get bit and it's not a huge deal. It's the fact that you're inhaling the spores is what infects yeah. you. So that's the bigger thing here. We get rid of that trope, and even yeah. the way the like the way the zombies behave is. We kind of get this whole idea that um, I think this is purely based off of style and not science, is that they also develop echolocation. So they hunt a lot more based off of sound, which, to my knowledge, isn't how fungi works at all. Um, <laughs> no, but but yeah. there's, a, there's a balance here, okay? Mm -hmm. and, and what I think is important to realize that we're not just talking about how the creatures work. We, we're talking about how you as the player also have to work because... One thing that uh, we mentioned in that Pop Culture Legends episode is that there is a uh, disease biologist from Penn State University named David Hughes who actually helped them build and, and he consulted on you know the effects of cordyceps and what it can do. So what we ended up getting was this, yes, it's a fictionalized version of it, but when you think about it this way, Joe, if mm -hmm. something loses a sense, other senses would be you know, yeah. tuned up. So for the, so as far as how the cordyceps works in the Last of Us universe, mm -hmm. it starts off as a, you know, a basic infection, but then there are stages and evolutions of it that occur. And yeah. so the longer mm -hmm. someone has it, the more dangerous the mutation becomes, and they're absolutely terrifying by the end. <laughs> so. Yeah. And eventually, again, with the, the more touch into the realism, because eventually... Uh, the clickers, as they call them, when they get bad enough, eventually get to the point where the fungus takes over their bodies so much they actually can't move anymore. Yeah. And they are planted just in place and eventually will just burst and shoot spores out. Yes. So um, when you have, like, the setting of this story, when you first, like, actually get back into Joel's shoes after the initial part where you are running with your daughter 
and now years down the line and he's got some more gray in the hair and the beard um he's in a quarantine zone and you can see the government is still there still being active doing things and they're keeping humans in specific areas to make sure they don't venture out into the areas where the clickers are and the spores are being spread uh the police are always in um uh, respirators so that they don't inhale the spores and whenever you sneak out of quarantine you're always in a respirator going from place to place so they do try and keep that uh, somewhat grounded realism in how the actual zombie fungus spreads in real life yeah not to mention what I feel like was an accurate portrayal of what would likely happen in this type mm -hmm. of scenario because at this point in time 60% of humanity has been wiped out and the only remaining governments that are there have, you know, pretty much shut shit down. They've they've put yeah. everything on lockdown. Mm -hmm. And so from the perspective of Joel in this game, he just started off standard nine to five kind of guy. Mm -hmm. And some some very bad things happened to him, which will will not spoil for you. But no, no, no. Mm -mm. Yeah, we get to see what his life is like now in a little bit of a time jump. And so what I think really cements this this environment that we're in now mm -hmm. after the infections have spread for a while we're a few years removed naughty dog actually took the effort and time to cross-reference not just what cordyceps does to organisms but what hurricane conditions did to mm -hmm. you know real world locations i think they specifically looked at like hurricane katrina and the after effects of that yep. and they they adapted it to this world to show how the fungus would operate so we get a lot of like interesting real world science that's applied to this fictional series of events. It's it's mm -hmm. it's pretty crazy to look at. I mean, I I don't feel like it's that that far off if it would happen. No. Mm -mm, no. This again like it's always great when you do have a property or a story that doesn't have to make you suspend belief too much to really enjoy what's going on. Because what The Last of Us does very well is the only belief you have to suspend is the fact that this fungus that normally only infects like insects and arachnids can now infect humans. That's the yeah. only thing you really have to suspend to try and get into this game. And yeah. shortly after we do get this time jump and we have now older man Joel, uh, we are introduced to the other main protagonist of this game in a very Logan-esque fashion. Where yeah, the yeah. the um, it, it's escaping me, but Joel's Joel's friend, who may be a little more than a friend that you're also with at this game, uh, she is trying to help a secret organization yeah, by transporting. Tess. Yes, yeah. Tess is trying to help transport what could be a cure to this whole scenario, and you've got to get from where you are. I believe it's Colorado, isn't it? Is where you're trying to head? Yeah, just like any good zombie thriller. Yeah. Wherever you got to mm -hmm. be, it's either out west or it's out east. Yes. In this case, mm -hmm. it's it's going it's, from east to west. Yeah, Going to east to west. Yep, got to go to the west coast-ish, kind of, not as far. But, yeah, so we're introduced to Ellie in this game. And she is definitely, as a character, a kid who has had to grow up way too fast. Yes. I think is the best way to describe her and who she is yes very carl grimes like but much more sensical much easier to like 
Yes. You know, she she cracks humor even though we're mm -hmm. in the midst of this, you know, global catastrophe. Yes. Like, mm -hmm. and I what I love about her character is that she never really loses that enthusiasm, and she hides it so much better than all of the adults. Yeah. You know, she's lost the mm -hmm. same. She's lost people. She's lost her family. Mm -hmm. She's lost friends, and yet she's it's still somehow still a kid. Still a kid. <laughs> yep. Well, even <laughs> does a lot like, better. Great things that this game does and introduced, which, by the way, like, clearly, if you've played this game, you've played Uncharted 4, you can tell what direction Naughty Dog went through when looking at Uncharted 3 versus Last of Us, because Uncharted 4 has, it plays so much like The Last of Us. Um, but, like, when you are standing around waiting, Ellie will just break out a joke book and start cracking, cracking zingers at you. And by zingers, they're all pretty bad. They're just cheesy jokes. Um, so, and the, these come off as like optional dialogues. So, yeah. and they don't happen. I guess I, I made it sound like they just happen if you're just sitting around anywhere. Most of the time it'll be like, she'll just say, Hey, we should probably get going. But yeah. if it's in the right part of the game, you get these optional dialogue bits. And sometimes they're her cracking jokes. Sometimes they're her letting you just a little bit know more about who she is and where she came from. And the same with Joel, like, and with Joel, it's you definitely have to get further in the game for him to start opening up more to Ellie, um, which is a part of this whole thing because you've got through through most of this game, you get the idea that Joel has been through some shit in that gap period. Oh yeah, and that he's had a lot more happen to him than he's really letting on, and it's pretty dark. And that comes out every once in a while in this game, that, that darkness. Yeah, and it doesn't matter how much you push the envelope, it'll still be stationary. You know, yep. that's that's the big thing to remember here, mm -hmm. which is that also... That sounds like what, an Ellie joke, That's one the of the way. Ellie puns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? We're not ruining this because it happens right away. In the very beginning yep. of the outbreak, Joel loses his daughter. You know, they're, mm -hmm. they're trying to escape. Some shit goes down, and he is obviously very heartbroken. And as I mentioned to you, Joe, with the the actual motion capture, that scene is just as hard to watch in the game yeah. as it is seeing the actors perform it. I mean, it is it is extremely difficult to get through. So as you go through this experience, naturally, mm -hmm. when people have to experience things together like this, especially traumas, as you share these experiences, you're going to bond quite a bit. We've seen mm -hmm. that, that same impact in The uh, Walking Dead by Telltale. Yep. It's the same type of thing, you know, if we're talking mm -hmm. about Lee and Clementine, we've got that, that same feeling here. You yeah, know, those, those familial absolutely. ties. And it, it gets to the point where, again, like both characters take a while to warm up to each other, and yeah. they eventually get there. And that's how we get to learn exactly why Ellie is the cure. Because it turns out she's been bitten, she's been infected, she's inhaled spores, and it's perfectly fine. Yeah. She hasn't changed. She hasn't exhibited any symptoms of, of the cordyceps. So we've got to get her to somewhere where they can actually use her DNA to create a more manageable, like, I don't think they say cure, but basically some vaccine. sort of like vaccine. Yeah. yeah. Even though like a vaccine, I don't think is the right word because this isn't a viral thing. It's a, it's a fungus. <laughs> But that's but the language they use in the game. It's the language they use in the yeah. game. It, it, yeah. Realistically, not, not the right term. And the group that's all going to do this 
is the fireflies. Now, the fireflies are not bugs. They are not a group of Owl City fanboys and girls getting together on the weekends and embracing the fact that this this guy has made a few songs about bugs that are rather entertaining. No, but no, you no. Won't, you won't believe your eyes, though. <laughs> I mean, a million fireflies? <laughs> One million fireflies, man. <laughs> oh, I, you, but, we knew that was going to come up because oh, for it, one, it you wrote it, and, and, and yeah, and two, we just knew we were going to do that. But we're going to get there. We're going to make. It, we're yeah. going to rip on Owl City for a little bit. Not, I mean, the guy made his money. He's super talented. <laughs> Saw him on stage. He played every, every uh, instrument that was on his stage. Super talented. Not, yeah. not going to knock the guy, but bugs. Anyway, <laughs> so um, the fireflies are. I think they they market themselves as like the one last like light of freedom or something yeah. because they, they like, I don't know, like they're not saying that the government's lying to anyone. I think they're more just like kind of leading on that we could do a better job than the government and we're going to help you actually get back to normal instead of keeping you in quarantines. That's what we're trying to do. And yeah, so it, yeah. the goal is to get Ellie to the fireflies. Yeah. If the government was ham, the fireflies are spam, which to some people may not be what you want to reach for first. Personally, I'm fine with it. But yes, the the fireflies are a little bit, yeah, a little bit of a, an antagonist, a little bit of a righteous, you know, performing party yeah. or righteous standpoint, mm -hmm. you know, because the government is pretty no bullshit still. You know, they're yeah. they're, mm -hmm. they're shooting at people. They just care about order. There's not really yep. a... Uh, a defined need to find a cure. They're just about let's suppress, mm -hmm. let's keep everybody within these zones, and then yeah. anything else that happens is on you. It's right? it's very much in Soviet Russia quarantine break you sort yes. of feel that they have. Yes. You don't break quarantine. So yes. the fireflies are like you said, kind of like this. I don't know. There's almost like kind of like that pseudo like zealotness about them. Like there's yes. almost some sort of like holier than thou aspect to the fireflies. Yes. Um, having this kind of like this savior mentality to the people saying we are, we are the way and the firefly light. Please come yeah. to us. Mm -hmm. Yes. I agree completely with that. And which does make the whole cure thing feel like a mission to them. I, I actually, I, I need to re go back a moment. feels less like a mission and more like a mandate for them and yes. so that's what mm -hmm. drives trying to get ellie cross country yep. granted if the fireflies are really that well connected i always kind of thought just fucking do it yourself yeah why well, you gotta guys. go hire just some some mook over here just just yeah. just go Come get on. it over there yourself yeah but hey then and we wouldn't have a game <laughs> exactly wouldn't be there and when we're yeah. looking at like the like the uh the outlying characters of this game that are in our main two um i would say that uh the remains of the federal government and the fireflies aren't the worst things out there because like any any good zombie series you find out that the worst monsters out there aren't always the monsters themselves because there are bandits all about north yeah. america at this time Very and true. like this is again like one of those one of those great scenes in the game where You've got Joel and Ellie actually driving, and they see what looks like a car is broken down, and Ellie's like, we should help them, and Joel's like, buckle up. We're not <laughs> <Yeah>. stopping. <laughs> and she's like, why? She's like, he's, buckle the fuck up. And he just runs Sick. to gun it because yeah. he knows what's coming. Again, Joel, again, in that, that gap period, 
has seen some shit and he knows exactly what's coming up. He's like, these people don't want help. They don't want to help us. They want our things or then they want us dead. Which leads into one of the points I wanted to make and obviously one of the major strengths of this game. Now, mm -hmm. I'm not one of those cover and shoot kind of fans, right? Most of the time it's because you know when they're going to happen. Yep. You know, you start seeing a lot of stuff toppled over. You see boxes. Mm -hmm. You see strategically yep. arranged things. And that still happens in this game. Mm -hmm. But compared to Uncharted, this makes more sense to me. Because you're going into a world that is essentially hitting that reset button. And it's not going well. No. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so it makes sense that you would have toppled over boxes and, you know, cars mm -hmm. that are broken down. And that that's how the combat would arise is because, as you mentioned, Joe, you have bandits. You have people who are mm -hmm. out there just trying to steal shit. Yeah. So the world would make sense for that kind of environment. Mm -hmm. And so that's one aspect, though, of that cover and shoot mentality of The Last of Us that Uncharted doesn't quite do. Mm -hmm. and, and that's the idea of not having to kill everything to, to succeed. Yeah. I mean, there, there are actually points in this game where you shouldn't try killing things to succeed. Like, you need to get the fuck out of there without making a goddamn sound. So you <laughs> want to get out of there. And this is not like, you know, like we've complained, like in Assassin's Creed, stealth is always optional sort of thing. <laughs> it's like, no, stealth is required in parts of this game because if you make a sound, you will be swarmed upon. And again, if you're playing on Survivalist or Survival, yeah. where... You have literally found a turkey baster, an alarm clock, and one paperclip. You're not MacGyving yourself out of more than one zombie at a time. So <laughs> you've got to, like, stealth yourself out of there. And that's also kind of, I think, a part of this game that I don't remember it being advertised like this. But there are many times where this just feels like a horror game. Because there are times where you almost know what's you know and you know what's coming for you and you know the stakes that are there the game does a great job of literally killing every peripheral sound around you yeah. it's just way too quiet and it's scary as fuck at times trying yeah. to get through where the clickers are and bandits and other things in this game it just does like a great job is kind of like this bonus survival and horror game and it's a sensory deprivation effect it totally mm -hmm. is especially when you go into some of these areas where the only thing you can hear is like a, a water dropping through or something right oh, yeah mm -hmm. and then when you hear the clicking sound or you hear you know one of the the infested or infected yep. walking around you gotta go is that closer mm -hmm. to me than the water drop was don't fucking know. I don't know. I just need to get the hell out of here. <laughs> but but the, the, the good news mm -hmm. is Joel does have his little, like, you know, survival sense that he can use yeah. to kind of figure mm -hmm. that out, which kind of a cop-out, but at the same time, yeah. can't always use it everywhere. No. So mm -hmm. so that does take away yep. his Superman abilities. But there's yes. a part of me that always wished, Joe, that, that I, I wish there was a recording out there somewhere where they just had Troy Baker lean over to Ashley Johnson and just go, all right, I'm going to try something here. It's called Leroy Jenkins. Let's see what happens. <laughs> oh, see, I was going to lean more towards, you know, I didn't tell you this, but before we got together, I had another life, and I was a farmer. I was a lead farmer, motherfucker. Just yeah. 
but you don't have the resources to do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, oh my god. Uh, but I do, I do actually really like that aspect of the game. So I think yeah. for me, there was a at first, I wasn't a big survival horror fan. I think you know this. So playing this game for me, it was that much more difficult the first time because I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't expecting it. Yeah. I was expecting, you know, Nathan Drake. Let's hop over a box, you know. Let's mm-hmm. let's just get shot at 10, 15 times until the screen turns too red, and I gotta simmer yep. down for a bit. Mm-hmm. It's like no, no, no. You don't you have that. that. <laughs> you mm-hmm. have no opportunity for that. No. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but at the same but... time, you get a completely remixed experience, though, mm-hmm. like a redesigned experience because of that. And yeah. I think in lieu of like the constant, constant action of Uncharted, mm-hmm. you end up getting this measured like tactical survival mm-hmm. that you actually have to think about what path yeah. are you going to take? There's multiple mm-hmm. ways to solve a problem. You know, all of those things kind of call up to this experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, we've, we've compared this game to Uncharted a lot just because again, like with Naughty Dog Studio, it's two big properties are right there. So like even looking at like the story of like Uncharted and this and how they unfold Uncharted one, like we, I've said several times in this, like, the, like the gameplay definitely will take a backseat to like you enjoying the story of those games and the way you equate like the story in those games is definitely like that indiana jones-esque feel of just adventure and and swashbuckling fun yeah. and this like you have so many ups and downs in this story of like lows because like you lose your daughter in the first part and then ellie comes into your life and you're hardened from your experiences and you start to soften a little bit and then something else fucking happens and it just like smacks you like this sad sad reality hits you so many times in this game and then you'll do something that is just what's terrifying to go through and like when we talked about like Nolan North is unrecognizable in this game because of his performance uh, that's one of the best and scariest fucking parts of this game is dealing with Nolan North uh, because at one point Ellie and Joel are going to be separated. Yeah. So, and you're playing and you, you take turns being Joel apart from Ellie and Ellie apart from Joel. And again, with Ellie, like it's terrifying. Like yeah. you, I don't want to, I don't explain why, but like you, like the last part of her being alone, um, comes to this uh, equivalent like a boss fight in like an old what used to be an old restaurant yeah. and just like you're terrified <laughs> hate, the whole time I playing that, that fucking I fight. hated that Isn't fight. It? Oh, oh, it's horrible. Mm-hmm. Oh, and again, man. it's, it's you, you don't hate it because it's because it's a bad scene. It's no, not, not it's not your no, it's it's you don't hate it because you, you hate playing through it. You hate it because you're fucking on edge <laughs> the whole time and not like awesome like You'll pay for the whole seat, but you only need the edge monsters truck like on the edge of your seat. It is like this needs to be over so I can relax because yes. I'm afraid I'm going to die the whole time. Yes. Meanwhile, as you're playing back and like introducing Joel and Joel's trying to get Ellie, you see how scared of a person Joel actually is and who he became yeah. in between his daughter dying and him meeting Ellie. Like yeah. it is like like it's just so weird going back between like oh fuck I'm gonna die as Ellie to like fuck Joel what the shit dude wow he's, man he's so he is a gun runner 
basically mm-hmm. in the new world, right? Like he's a guy that yeah. gets things. He's like the red of of Shawshank Redemption, right? He goes mm-hmm. out and gets things for you. And yeah, so he's, he's your Boris the Blade <laughs> yes. in the zombie apocalypse. Yes, he is, and and that's why I think the entire journey with him and Ellie is that much more powerful is because mm-hmm. he begins to suppress who he became yep. and, and he's, he kind of finds himself again because of Ellie. And so that really helps to, to drive this experience so much. And mm-hmm. it's a big reason why I am very thankful that we're going to get a TV show of this because yeah. the, the game, Joe, let's talk about the, uh, the lasting legacy of this game because mm-hmm. Everybody was given the Game of the Year awards, oh, all yeah. that good stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, here's the thing: we're not, we do not want to ruin the story of this game. It is no. that damn good. Mm-hmm. But do you think it's the best story of all time? One of the best gaming stories of all time? Uh, it's up there. I'm definitely not going to say no to that. Like, I think of like like huge franchises, um, and that is like Legend of Zelda is up there, and that's like that's one like for the story because that is a huge culminating story. It's within its universe that we talked about. It's actually a multiverse of games that are there. Um, I put Uncharted really high. I put like the story of Assassin's Creed pretty high up there. Some of the greatest stories ever told. Yeah. Um, and this was one where I was actually like surprised it even got a sequel because I was pretty sure the writers are like, we like to just leave it here and leave it so that you can actually take the story where you want it to after the, after this game is done. So I was actually very surprised that it got a, got another game. So I thought it was going to be kind of perfect in that idea that this is a story that's left open-ended and we get to like kind of as fans figure out where to go. So the <laughs> yeah. way the story was told and the characters that portrayed that were portrayed in here, I do think it's one of the best best games, like best story games of all time. You know, I can think of many gaming experiences that have kept my attention all the way up until mm-hmm. the very end of the credits, right? Yep. This is one of those games where I was not just hanging on for dear life. I was hanging on for every word at mm-hmm. the end. Every word. And they had done such a good job with character progressions in this game. I mean, they did such a good job. There wasn't, I mean, between Joel and Ellie... Mm-hmm. it's incredible to be able to just balance one person's story in a game, but to be able yeah. to do two different stories at the same time, give them the time they need. Mm-hmm. I mean, this this is a triumph from that standpoint. It really is. And yep. for those who've never played it before, that's why Joe and I are not going into full-on spoiler territory because it it is just, it would be so irresponsible, I think, to do it. Yeah. <laughs> it just would be. It's, I mean completely robbing you of of the experience there so like if you if you have not played this game this is an absolute must play of of all the games we reviewed before if you're like yeah i'm on the fence and thinking about doing it don't be on the fence anymore with the last of us play this fucking game especially now in spooky season this is a great time to fucking play this game (laughs) because you've got that that fall chill for those of you who are not in the southern parts of, of or I guess the, the equator parts of the planet that listen to us and you stay warm and you're not further south where you're entering the summer right now. Uh, if you're in the northern hemisphere, you get that nice chill to make it actually kind of feel like, you know, it's darkness is coming. So this is a great, great time to play this game if you haven't already. And again, 
like you can find it like i think relatively cheap anywhere uh oh hell yeah yeah Yeah. especially if you're getting it on the actual playstation 3 because yours is still still a tank and and doing its job yeah you can find this game cheap three generations multiple remasters there's there's Mm -hmm. so many ways you can play this game now and because of that though we want you to play this game we are going to review it and give you some numbers to go off of here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Joe and I have met beforehand, and we've decided that today's metric that we'll be using for each category will be the shiv, one of the most commonly yes. crafted items in this mm-hmm. game that you will need. Yes, so Joe, and, yeah. and your love of the shiv will never, never be long because the shivs don't last very long, <laughs> but you need them. They are great in emergency situations. Always have a shiv on hand. Have a shiv yes. handy. All right, Joe. Well, here we are. We're looking at our first metric of the night. We're looking at graphics mm-hmm. out of a possible five shivs. Where did the graphics lie for you here? So this one, I am go- I'm going to rate high because, again, like you're looking at a game that did so well for its studio that they actually retooled their very successful franchise that came out before it because of how well it did. And... I just think that how smooth and crisp this looked, even going from cinematic to uh, like gameplay area, obviously the cinematics were, were higher quality, but the gameplay was still beautiful. And they also just had this fun fun thing where they, I mean, the Easter eggs that are just up in this game, uh, on your way to actually like kind of the final act in the game, you're getting to, you're getting to the West and you're about to enter this abandoned uh, like traffic tunnel. Um, Optimus Prime is actually sitting in the, the the traffic tunnel. You can see the trailer with the proper graphic on it, and a re- it's a red semi um, truck that's there. But all the stuff that goes into detailing this world and making these truly terrifying-looking zombies and the cinematics being gorgeous um, for its time. And the fact that they, I mean, granted, like you could play this on the PlayStation 3 and the graphics, I think, still hold up very well. Yeah. I'm going to give this a five on graphics. Five shivs out of five. Hey, I'm not far behind you on this one. Mm-hmm. And by not far behind you, I'm exactly right there with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, and, and I'm going to add a very similar sentiment here. The reasoning behind it is that when you look at this game, I, we, we're trying to look at it not from a remastered point of view, but what it did at the time that it came out. Mm-hmm. And when this game came out, I remember sitting there and taking very long pauses in between action and looking around and just seeing what's yeah. there mm-hmm. and looking at the detail of what's there. Yeah. So for other games of the same period, we talked about Carrot Fingers and Assassin's Creed. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that kind of thing didn't happen here. Like We've no. got a very, very mm-hmm. strong graphics team that built this game out. And I, I never really truly felt knocked out of the experience by anything I saw. I, I really thought they did an excellent job with it. So, yeah, the graphics were stellar for 2013. Yeah. They were stellar for the PS3. And I can't say that there's many games that are equal to this other than possibly the Uncharted series. There, yeah. <laughs> there weren't many equals that did this kind of <laughs> graphics. Mm-hmm. So, absolutely, getting into 5 out of 5 on that. Now, coming to gameplay for a second... Mm-hmm. I, I I might come just a little bit lower <laughs> because for me, you know, the gameplay is is pretty solid. You know, there, yeah. there's there's a lot about this game that they did really well, mm-hmm. and I never really got those moments as we've talked about in some of these Ubisoft games where 
the game just struggles, you clip mm-hmm. through a wall, you fall through the floor. Mm-hmm. Didn't really have any of that kind of stuff happen mm-hmm. with the gameplay. Now, the only thing for me that I... I guess I'll, I'll say why I, I docked the points a little bit, is that there are some times where you're fighting the infected, mm-hmm. where things don't really quite seem perfect. And what I mean by that, Joe, is that when the infected like grab onto someone in your party, for example, and you fire a shotgun at them, for me, it kind of pulls me out of the realism just a little bit. When yep. you shoot in a direction at someone and it just kills the infected and doesn't <laughs> do anything to the person that's next to them. Yeah, especially when it's like a sawed-off shotgun. <laughs> like it, it should pretty much destroy everything directly in front of it. Mm-hmm. I, I, well, and now I have to call myself a liar for a minute there. That's the one thing I think that took me out of the gameplay of this mm-hmm. of this game is that something grabs onto you, and you're just mashing buttons. And yep. it, it, yes, it's pandemonium. Like they got that part right. Okay, mm-hmm. like it, it feels stressful. But that's where this game does skid its knees a little bit. It's when things mm-hmm. get really hairy. You've got multiple characters in the same space, and for the exception of that, that's that's pretty much the only area when that happens. Um, yeah. Otherwise, though, with the gameplay, one of my favorite things to do is just to go into a room and start taking stuff. Yes, <laughs> rifling <laughs> through everything. Yeah, you grab, grab, grab behind you, grab above you. I just knocked my headphones oh off because I, I was getting too Joel grab happy. <laughs> you know, it's mm-hmm. it's really it's really fun. It's hilarious. Yeah. So I mean, so yeah, I definitely um, like. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. You go ahead. Mm-hmm. Well, I was just gonna say for me, four point five, not quite perfect, mm-hmm. but still, still very strong. Yeah. Yep. No, I'm probably gonna mirror you on this one just because I get like the idea of like one of the favorite things just go around and grab some stuff, and of course, <laughs> like our generation, I'm like we're not fresh off the heels of the Chappelle show, but I definitely have some things always with me. Like when you're looting and like grabbing things, I'm just thinking, oh, I can get some money for this, and I'm just grabbing everything. <laughs> I mean. You can't get money for it. There's no more currency, really. But, yeah, like, there were just so many fun parts of just playing this game because the game, for the most part, does play very well. Even though, again, like, your um, your other protagonist is always invulnerable to any of your shots that you have. That's yeah. a bit of a slight against it. Um, for me, the thing that brings it down a little bit in gameplay, again, like you talked before, is, is this game's version of Pigeon Vision that just doesn't make sense. Like... Yeah. I feel like it's there because, like, well, we need to explain how Joel just finds things in the first place, and it has to be some sort of game mechanic because it feels like it's, like, shoehorned in, right? Like, this is something that's done in the Arkham series because Batman's got his detective vision. It's done in Assassin's Creed because you have eagle vision. It's done in other things because it just works well in the game, so we feel like we should use something like that, too. And you get that here, and I'm like, eh. That's not great. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it it works, but it shouldn't be there. Um, so kind of the same thing. I'm going down to a 4.5 on gameplay. And mostly just because like I don't... There are so few games I'd give a 5 on for gameplay, I think. Where like it actually... The character... like I rarely ever had issues with the character doing anything. I can think of, honestly, at the top of my head, one game series where consistently... Not every game in the series, there's one, but that's because the studio that originally made this series didn't make that one game in the series. Like, all the other games, like, flawless gameplay, but this is not that game. So this is a four point four and a half shivs out of five. 
for me. Okay. Well, that, that brings us to replay value then. What are your thoughts on coming back to this game for seconds? Uh, well, if you were to actually have us on the PS3 and you're hoping to relive the full experience of you playing this game, you will be sadly, um, sadly disappointed because there is no more online for the PS3. That's yeah. now gone. So if you're also like me and you're trying to platinum after the fact of your rental, you're like, now I'll go back and platinum this game, then you realize just how crazy amounts of time you have to put into the online to platinum that fucking game. <laughs> you can't do it. And even if you could, you probably wouldn't want to because <laughs> there's a lot. Um, so, And then even like my experience from the online, I actually wasn't too big a fan of the online in this game. I don't know what it was. It just didn't, I don't know, it didn't sit well with me. It's, it, it's hard because I can't even put a specific finger on it other than it may be just the fact that, like, I looked at just how much you have to do online to get the Platinum Trophy of this game. It seemed like it was a grind for the sake of it being a grind, and I did not appreciate that about it. Yeah. So that part, to me, the online's always dead to me, and I have no interest in playing it because I think when they remastered it, they brought online back for the PS4, right? That that came back with it. So when that came back, I didn't care to even bother with it. I'm like, no, I don't care. So with that, the replay kills a little bit. But that being said, I have played it the first time in the PS3. I have played the remastered in the PS4. And I had just as much fun doing it. So if you are someone who just wants to relive the story and doesn't want to, like, like I've said before in the past... You're not just going to go to YouTube and find someone who's strung all the cinematics together. You actually want to play it. Yeah. You're going to do that, and you're going to have a good time. So this is another uh, four and a half shivs out of five because okay. I'm going to discount the um, the online portion. I'm going to knock it there. So for me, I will not just discount the online. I'm not buying that shit at all. I had yeah. absolutely <laughs> no interest in the online mm -hmm. experience. I played it a little bit, hated it. It was way too difficult. So yep. that is not something I did anything with. The main story, for me, this is where the game, this is where the rating gets a little bit more difficult. And it's because you mentioned that horror element of it. Mm -hmm. When I first played the game, I was just so not wanting to do that stuff. Like, I wanted to get <laughs> past it. I wanted to move on with my life. Like, stop complicating my experience. And so this was one of the things that, at first, I didn't like a whole lot. The second time I played it, I appreciated it a lot more. Obviously, mm -hmm. I'd done it once, so I kind of had an idea of what to do. But just like it is with any Naughty Dog game that's kind of linear like this, Joe, there's only so much you can do within the confines of the maps and the, the puzzles and the things you've already done, mm -hmm. right? Like, you're, you're not typically going to forget how to do something here. And so when it comes to the variable element of games and giving you maybe more than one way to solve something those opportunities in the last of us are a lot fewer than other games right mm -hmm. and so for me yeah the story's still great yep the action's still it's a really well-made game but this is not a game i'm going to come back to every year yeah right mm -hmm. i'm just not going to and the, and the truth is i haven't i really love it but i won't come back to it so for me i'm going to come in a little bit lower this is going to be a 375 for me Ooh, a little bit okay. lower mm -hmm. so which brings us joe to the make or break uh, metric yes. of music mm -hmm. now gustavo santolalo was the main composer for the last of us 
-hmm. And what I really thought was an extremely responsible choice here was to make the composition for this game be as minimalistic as possible. Yep. And in a lot of games, especially AAA games like these, music can can be a very expensive part of the game. And, I, and I'm sure this is just as expensive, but at the same time, it doesn't feel that way. It, it feels very like Firefly TV show-esque, where we're getting very simplistic types of uh, you know music. Maybe only one or two instruments are involved at all. And it fits really well with the game's aesthetic because people are living with what they have now, right? You're, you're, you're not going to have full on symphonies anymore. So for me, it fit really well. I thought the music was really well crafted. Mm -hmm. It's intense when it has to be intense. As you mentioned though, there are points where it's just gone. Yep. (laughs) It's not Mm -hmm. used at all. So I thought the music of this game, while I don't know any of the tracks by name, like Assassin's Creed, Mm-hmm. I still love the music quite a bit. So I'm going to give it a five. I loved it. Ooh. I thought it was well made. I thought it did mm-hmm. everything it had to do. Okay. I I am going to be, I guess, more in that, that Tomb Raider aspect where I'm going to flip it, Ooh. though, where um, I am going to say that for me, the music wasn't memorable. And I I do appreciate what you said about this kind of being like minimalistic over we don't have much left in the world, so the symphony the orchestra is gone. However, I really like the symphony and orchestra in a game. So even in a game or in a movie, um, having like sharp strings pop up um, in a horror movie or something that's there that's like slowly like amp the horror up. And like we did say, this game does a great job of having it so like there is no music when you need it to be that very uneasy quiet. And so... I will give it the fact that it does that very well. So kind of like the thing like where I said, like where we said in Tomb Raider, where the music either wasn't memorable or it didn't heighten the experience in Tomb Raider. Yeah. This heightens the experience well, isn't it? It comes in when it needs to. It goes away when it, when it shouldn't be there. But I'm going even further than you when you say you can't name the tracks where I can't even like hear the tracks in my head to this game. Oh, wow. I just remember it amping up where it needed to and going away where it didn't need to be there. And even, like, I could, like, this obviously didn't call for, like, you know, a Revelations, like, Assassin's Creed Revelations, like, title screen, where you've got this, like, amazing sound playing as you're going it, because that's, again, the the end of Ezio's life. But having a little more theater there for what you're doing here to set the stage would have been nice instead of this kind of, like, this... I think you just get like a a light blowing wind or something that's just very Mm -hmm. much you're in the world of the game. So I'm going to bring it down and I'm going to go down to a 3.5 for music on this game. Oh, wow. Because it just, again, like it's, it it does its job. It's kind of utilitarian, but for as well as everything else is done in this game, I think they could have, could have, you know, got a little closer to 11. Not all the way there. We don't need the loudest band in Britain. But yeah. something a little more enthusiastic, I think, would have been great. Okay. No, I, I, I hear you. I mean, we, you and I look at music different ways, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I, can, I can respect that. And, Joe, based on what we've talked about, it's not going to be enough to be the top-rated retro review we've ever done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it does come in a respectable number three on our list. So coming in All just right. behind 
Yeah, Star Fox 64 and The Walking Dead Season 1. The Last of Us mm-hmm. comes in at 89% for our rating. Ah. So, for Look those of you that, Zombie's taking two of the three top spots in the game of, <laughs> an, of, our, of our director reviews. Yeah, if you want to Twix our nethers, just, just go and put some zombies in it. We'll, <laughs> we'll be interested. <laughs> we'll play it, yeah. <laughs> so there you have it, folks. The 2013 mm-hmm. retro review of The Last of Us. Joe and I are obviously big fans of it. And there are some things that I think folks are going to like universally. There might be some things that you don't like. But yeah. for the timing of the year, it, it's there's no better time to play it than now. It's just the right balance of creepiness, d- d- terror. <laughs> you're you're going to be scared mm-hmm. while playing this game. Yeah. So there, there's a lot of good things going on for it. So mm-hmm. there you go. Give it a shot. There's plenty of copies out there. Yep. <laughs> Sit down, play the game and you know have a good time yes and with that we do thank you for listening to digital dissection and as always we appreciate what the dissection crew for does for us week after week your support does go a very long way and if you happened upon this show by accident why not drop us a review maybe a comment or maybe some fan art about joe and his favorite joel cosplay we also love yeah, to hear just, from you. I just, I just <laughs> yeah. need flannel, and I have this. Yeah, basically, Joe's already got it down. But, yeah, we love hearing from you, folks. So feel free to message us over at digitaldissectionpodcast at gmail.com. We welcome your ideas for future shows. And, well, anything that's uh, PG and not too personal, we'd love to discuss. <laughs> and, and, folks, until next time, keep on dissecting. Thank you.